Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of If These Hills Could Talk. I'm your old buddy Brando, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I want to thank everybody for uh, listening and downloading uh, Friday's episode. This podcast usually drops on Sundays or Mondays, and it dropped uh, last Friday because uh, I had been down with the flu. And so uh, you got two episodes pretty close together here. Uh, glad that I was able to get back here and do one more episode for you. That way we're caught up and we've got an episode for every week that I've been doing this. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in wherever it is that you listen to podcast. And don't forget to give it a rating, give it a review, give it a like, a share. All those things helps boost the algorithm and get it out there to people. So um, I want to thank you guys for taking the time out to do that. Uh, also, I'll remind everyone that on uh, April the 23rd, Record Store Day, I will be playing a show at Lost and Found Records in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I will be joined by the great Barry Pohanna on guitar, Cecilia Wright on bass, and uh, Vince Harris on the drums. Uh, it, that'll be the actually the debut of my new group, Brando's Real Billy Review, and I'm looking really forward. I'll be playing a lot of songs off the new album that I'm working on, and uh, that one's coming along really good, so... Uh, I'll keep you guys posted as to when that thing's going to drop. But again, thank you guys so much for being here. And uh, this is the episode that I actually had planned before Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, and I got sidetracked and talked about that for a while. But this is the episode I had planned. We're going to do another uh, deep dive into the Bible. I'm going to read you a couple of chapters from it and uh, break the story down and give you my spin and my uh, interpretation of it. I had a lot of positive feedback when I broke down uh, the creation story. A lot of people seemed to really like that. I really enjoyed doing it. Um, And so my grandmother always wanted me to be a preacher, and I'm far from that. But I am reading the Bible in the podcast world and breaking it down as only I can. And so uh, I don't know if Mama would be proud or not, but uh, we'll see. Uh, now I wanted to do this story here. Uh, I skipped I skipped ahead a little bit in the book of Genesis, and I want to correct myself in the in the episode where I talked about uh, creation. I kept saying when I went back and listened to it, I noticed that I said the gospel of Genesis. Genesis is not a gospel; uh, it is a book. Uh, you know, the gospels were Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That was a gospel according to. Uh, these are books, and uh, you know. Uh, started off with the with the story of the creation, and now I wanted to move ahead to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, the two evil cities that was destroyed by fire. For those of you that have never read this story, um, you're going to have it read to you like you've never had it read before. I can promise you that. You're not going to hear this version in a church anywhere. <laughs> but uh, but this story has always been fascinating to me, the whole thing. Now, we jumped ahead. We're starting up here at uh, Genesis chapter 17. A lot's happened. We're up to a character now by the name of Abram. He's about to become Abraham, and you've probably heard that name if you read the Bible. Uh, but the one thing that I find very interesting about the Bible is that once God created Adam and Eve, they had their sons, Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel, goes off into another land, and gets a, a wife. It appears that there's a whole lot of people on earth now. It appears that there's a whole lot of people out there uh, you know, doing their thing, but God only speaks to a few chosen ones. He spoke to Noah. He spoke to Adam, you know. Everybody else he don't talk to. He didn't warn the rest of the people that the flood was coming with Noah's ark. He just he just told Noah, and he told Noah to tell them. He didn't take time. It's funny to me that this being created uh, beings, but he only picked a handful to communicate with and to make deals with. And this is what this is where we start uh, here with uh, with God renewing His covenant with Abram, and uh, that's interesting to me that He would create something and then make a deal with it. Like that, like that the thing had any control whatsoever over it. That's, that's fascinating to me. We'll start with Genesis chapter 17. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, so he's 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be perfect. I will make a covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be the father of many nations. Now neither shall thy name any more be Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations I have made thee. I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. I will establish my covenant between me and thee, 
and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So now he's, he's saying to this, to this man, you know, I'm going to create this covenant with you. I'm going to make you the father of everybody. You're going to be, this is where the old term father Abraham comes from. And God says unto Abraham, now shalt keep, thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. Now, I've always, I pointed this out to a guy one time and he got mad. This guy got pissed at me for saying that God made mistakes. And he said, God never makes a mistake. And I said, yeah, he did. Right out, right out of the gate, he created a man and failed to circumcise him. And this guy got so pissed at me for saying that. Like, oh, that's, that's just blasphemy, Brandon. You should never say something. I'm like, well, really? I mean, like, why? So here's where he tells, this is where that he tells them that they must be circumcised. Um, and he says, he says, ye shall be circumcised of the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man child in your generations, he that is born in your house or brought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house and he that is brought with thy money must, must needs be circumcised, and the covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. How in the living hell does this have anything to do with anything? Why would a God form a covenant between another man and an entire generation of people by cutting the foreskin of their dicks? Like how, how and, and if you don't, and if, 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 if some baby, some innocent baby born into this world doesn't get circumcised, then he is cut off. He has broken my covenant because he didn't get circumcised. I mean, are you guys following this? And God says unto Abraham, as for Sarah, thy wife, thou shalt now call her Sarah. So he changes their names. And I will bless her and give unto thee a son for her. I will bless her and shall make her mother of all nations. And Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And Sarah is ninety years old? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and his seed after him. Now, Ishmael, if you're wondering who that is, um, and I, may, I hope I haven't jumped ahead of myself here, but, but Ishmael, Abraham wanted a uh, son, and his wife Sarah was barren. She's 90 year old. She didn't give birth to the kid, so Abraham went and laid with his uh, maidservant and knocked her up. And when he did, that, that they had a child named Ishmael. Now, believe it or not, this is where uh, Islam and Christianity splits. Islam believes that Ishmael is the chosen one of the, of the covenant, and Christians believe that it's Isaac, the son that comes later. I've always found it very interesting how that it all stems, these two religions that are very similar, by the way. If you've ever ever actually studied Islam, the, the similarities of Christianity is pretty pretty wild really but it all goes back to this moment in time when these when this man disobeyed god so that's why that you know a lot of christians have um they paint islamic people in a, in a negative light because that is the the bastard son that is the that's not god that's not the son that god supposedly favored now uh the Islamics believe it the exact opposite way. They believe that Ishmael, Ishmael is the blessed child. So it's, 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 it's very interesting here. But he says, um, As for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at, a set, at this set time next year. 
and he left talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all that were born in the house, and all that were bought with his money, so his slaves, so he takes his slaves too, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the same day as God has said unto him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised from his foreskin. Can you imagine, like, can you imagine somebody selling this story to a group of guys? Hey, God, who doesn't talk to none of the rest of you, he only talks to me. God has told me that he has put a covenant in place with us, and we have, we're going to be a father of nations, and we're going to, our, our tribe is going to be blessed, but that little piece of foreskin down there on your dick, we're going to cut that off. Can you imagine? Like, how would he ever sell that story today? How would, how would that story ever get sucked? Can you imagine? I mean, imagine right now if your neighbor just walked over and knocked on door and said, hey, you know, I've been talking to my invisible friend up in the sky, and uh, he thinks that we should uh, trim some skin off of our dicks. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the most bizarre stories to me that this actually, you know, happened, and these guys went along with it. But now, again, these are he took, he took his children, he took his slaves, he took every man in the house, and he goes and he circumcises them and tells them that's a covenant between him and the Almighty God. Why couldn't God have just made the men with their foreskin intact the right way to start with? Why did it have to be clipped later? And we all know that, you know, the real reason is cleanliness. And there's a, you know, I had a cousin, and this is a horrible story to tell, but he's passed away. He's no longer with us. But I had a cousin who had to be circumcised when he was 12. And it's because his dad didn't believe in circumcision. And he got, he got infected and got some uh, stuff set up in there. It's gross as hell. And he ended up having it done at 12. And he was in misery for days. And you talk about, man, I felt bad for him. I was, I was, I was, he came over and played Nintendo with me every day on a pillow. And, you know, it was like, man, but I can't imagine, okay, it was done for health reasons, but I can't imagine if his dad said, well, yeah, I've been talking to, i just been praying to God. God didn't tell you to do it. Trust me, it would have, I would have, I would, if a man walked up to me and said, hey, I'm going to have to cut the, some, uh, some meat off your dick because we got to, you know, make this covenant, I'd say, you tell God to tell me himself. I'm not going to let that just come from you. You're going to have to tell me. That, tell him he needs to tell me that. You're not going nowhere near my dick with a knife. That's ridiculous. So anyway, now um, we go on. We're, I want to get into the, the story of, uh, of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, you know, Abraham has, uh, he's, he's, uh, Sarah's promised the son Isaac. Now right here is where uh, we get into the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, and the men rose up thence and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great nation and a mighty nation, and all nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is coming to me. And if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Abraham drew near and said, Will thou destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Will thou also destroy and not spare the city if there are fifty righteous men within? That be far from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked. So now God, Abraham is telling God here. This is always interesting to me. Abraham is saying to God, Are you really going to destroy righteous people with the wicked? Can you find fifty good men? And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous men within the city, I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which I am but dust and ashes. Peradventure shall lack five of fifty righteous. Will thou destroy all the city for the lack of five? So he's down to five. He can't find five good men. And he's reasoning with this being. He's reasoning with his creator saying, so, so the man in this story 
is actually has more of a conscience. The man in the story, the creation in the story is saying, you know, would you just spare these people if there's some good people here? Are you really going to destroy this entire city? Are you really going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? So he just keeps going. He says, you know, and he's speaking to him again. He just keeps on debating him here. Peradventure there shall be 40 found there. And he said, I will not do it for 40's sake. And he said unto them, oh, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Peradventure shall there be 30. They keep going. They keep bringing down the number. So then came to the angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Now Lot is the one good man that Abraham finds. He's going to spare, he's going to spare that one good man. There's only one good man in the town, and his name is Lot, L-O-T. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night. Wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And they shall, nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly. And they turned in unto him, and entered into his house, and he made them a feast, and he did bake bread, and they did eat it. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, compassed the house round both old and young, all the people of every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came unto thee last night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after them and said, I pray you, brethren, do not do so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters which have not known a man. Let me, I pray you, Bring them out unto you. Do with them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. The good guy in the story says to these angels, I've got two daughters that have never been with a man. You can do with them whatever you wish. The good guy in the story offers up his daughters to be raped by angels. And he's the, he's the good guy that... that that Abraham has found. And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came into sojourn, and he needs to be a judge. Now we will deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness both small and great, so that they be weary themselves to find the door. I mean, again, going back to something I said about the Bible controlling women, it all, if you'll notice, it always goes to that. Now, so far, we, we've, we've, we've saw that slaves were made to be circumcised against, I mean, whether they liked it or not, because God told them to. So again, we've got to control you, and we've got to control what the women and what this teaches people when they read this is that, hey, you know, th this was the good guy, but yeah, he, he was doing this, and God had his reasons for it, but he was doing this. He was offering up his virgin daughters to these two angels. If they were angels, why would they be raping anybody? Why would they want to be, if they were angels that weren't supposed to commit all these sins, then why would they be wanting to have sex with two virgins? Why would, they want, why would angels want to fornicate? Why would angels want to commit adultery? It, it, I mean, th th this is again. This reads like, "Hey, let's let's control the women." So, in, in to cut a deal with you, you can you can have our virgin women, and that that that's a common thread throughout not just the Bible but Islam as well. They're, they're always offering up women as a sacrifice with with no say. These girls got no say in the scenario. Just hey, these, these men are angels from God, and the, and 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 you are to do with they're going to do with you whatever they please, and you just got to like it. Again, it reads as a control mechanism. It reads as a control tactic to instill fear and to instill control. But and the men said unto Lot, Hast there here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever shall thou hast in thy city? Bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place. Because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So they're going. To, he's going. To, these two angels that are willing to to 
have sex with two virgins that are willing to commit fornication. They're going to destroy this town that they say is evil. Lot went out and spake unto his son, son-in-laws, which married his daughters, and said, Get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And when morning arose, the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed with the iniquity of the city. I mean, for goodness sakes, you get out of here, buddy, because there's sin here. Us two perverts are telling you that there's, that there's sin here to be had. And while he lingered, the men laid upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters. And the Lord being merciful unto him, they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass when they had brought him forth that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. Behold, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, which has magnified thy mercy, which thou hast shown unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee into, and is of is a little one. Oh, let me escape. Let me escape. Sorry, I'm having trouble here. Let me escape, and my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou come here. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The Lord, let's see, the sun rose upon the earth when Lot went in to Zoar. And then the Lord rained down upon Sodom and Gomorrah fire and brimstone from the heavens. And he overthrew those cities and all the, all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from him, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning, and the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward the land of the plain, and he beheld the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out into the midst of the overthrow, which he overthrew the cities in which Lot had, had dwelt. Okay, now let's break this down. First of all, this, this all-knowing, all-powerful being created people, and he only chose certain ones to talk to. He only chose certain ones to make a deal with. Now, these are his creations, and yet he has to make deals with them, make covenants. And the way he does that is by cutting off the foreskin of their penis. And then he says to them, I won't destroy this city. you got to find me one good man or, or, or else I'm going to destroy this sinful city. Now, going back to, to Adam and Eve when he said, don't eat from the tree that bears you know, the, good, the knowledge of good and evil. It was one of those things where he's kind of, I said he was setting them up for failure. I felt that he was setting them up for failure from the very beginning. And I feel this is what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah. If God is old. Excuse me. If God is only talking to one or two people, then then aren't the other people set up to fail? Aren't the other people set up to be doomed? Why weren't they given the same information? Why did God choose Abraham to tell all this stuff to and 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 to destroy this wicked city? So he does so by first they go to find the one the two angels, he sends two angels to there. Lot, the only good guy in the town, offers up his two daughters to be, to be had and to do whatever you want to do with, against their will, whether they like it or not. So, and that's the good guy in the story. So he saves Lot and his family, but Lot's wife looks back and she turns into a pillar of salt because he said, "Don't look back." But again, he never really told her why. He never. He just said, "Don't look back." God is notorious for saying, "Don't do something," and then punishing somebody for doing it. And as far as the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, now according to this, and if you believe this, if you believe this to be true, then you believe that God rained hellfire and brimstone down on these sinful cities. Now, there's been all kinds of debates as to what has happened with, like, what was Sodom and Gomorrah doing? 
And I've heard so many preachers give accounts as to what they were doing. And you know what, Sodom and you know what most preachers that I've sat under will tell you that was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah? Oh, they were they was having sex. They, it was like the hippies and the free love. And they was they was having homosexual sex. They, they, they were homosexuals in them towns. And that's why God went in there and got Lot out and, and God, so that God could save them. It was all about sex. So again, going back to what I've always said, here we go again controlling people. Here we go again pe- get, keeping people in line, keeping people scared. You're not allowed to have sex, and you're not allowed to have this kind of sex, and you're not allowed to do that. That's evil. If you do so, God's going to rain fire and brimstone down upon you. Then God, look what God did to those evil people. But that's how that's how preachers will spin this. They'll say, "Oh well, it was it was homosexual sins, it was it was it was it was sexual sins, it was sins of the flesh." And again, these are things that they can control, that they can they can keep you under their control by teaching you this stuff. So now you've got a, a scenario where but people believes that God punishes people for their sexual sins. And fast forward to the year 2001 on 9-11, when the planes hit the World Trade Centers and they came crashing down, there was uh, guys like Jerry Falwell, Pat Robertson, that said it was God punishing America. They were saying that, that God had spoke to them and that God was punishing America. When Hurricane Katrina happened, I can't remember if it was Falwell or Robertson, but one of them said that that was God's punishment on the homosexuals on Bourbon Street. So you've got guys today, like Pat Robertson, still out there kicking. I don't know how. He looks like he's dead, but he's there. Uh, Falwell's no longer with us, and I'm not one bit, I'm not sorry to hear that or know that. Uh, I thought he was a disgusting individual. But these people claim that God speaks to them, and God tells them that he's punishing Hurricane Katrina and 9-11 and all these these catastrophic events. These, these are God's punishment. Now, even not all, but there's a whole lot of Christians, a whole lot of people that goes to church every Sunday, every time the doors open. And if you said to those people, "Hey, did you know that Pat Robertson said that?" They'd say, "Well, I don't believe that now. You know, I don't. I don't necessarily know. We can't judge that." A decent person would say that. A decent person, a decent person would say, "Well, we, we, you know, I've got family members who who would say if I said to them, hey, did you know that he said that's why that the nine eleven happened, or that's why Hurricane Katrina happened?'" They'd go, "Well, I don't necessarily know. We can't be the judge. We'll just let God judge that. We don't know." But yet, they'll turn around and believe the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. How do we know that Abraham wasn't just another, wasn't just the Pat Robertson of his day? God sure found favor in him, didn't he? God sure found him, I'm going to be the father of all nations. But he just told Abraham that. He didn't, he didn't inform the nations. He didn't inform the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. He didn't inform none of those people. No, he just informed the one guy that he was going to have favor with him. And we see these, these preachers out here today, God has prayed to me. God has bestowed upon me his blessings. Like I saw, I saw Kenneth Copeland talking about, oh, you know, God wants me to be rich. He wants me to have these things. He wants me to ride in this Learjet. And he wants me to drive around these Cadillacs. He wants me to represent him. He wants me to look good in front of him. God told me that. Meanwhile, God is punishing you people. He's punishing you for your sins. He's punishing you for all the dirty things you did in your bedroom. Are you following me? Because it's all, again, here we go. Here's the story. People, if you ask the average girl on the street, do you think God was punishing homosexuals for not for with Hurricane Katrina? Most reasonable people would say no. But they would turn around, sit in church, let the pastor tell them the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, and sit there and say, Well, see, God done that. God, God favored Abraham over everybody else. God formed a covenant with Abraham over everybody else. God cut their the, the flesh off their dicks, and, and and there it was. And, and, and God took Lot, the one good guy, out of the situation. But first, Lot offered his daughters to be raped. And it, I mean, it, this, the, the, this, this reads like a really bad Greg Locke sermon. And yet we're taught to believe it's the holy word of God. Don't ever question it. Don't ever, don't ever deny it. It's all true. It's all true. And, but, but yet we will turn around and condemn pastors of today. Well, I mean, I've I've heard I've heard countless pastors, like I just said, Kenneth Copeland, Jerry Falwell, Pat Robertson, talk about how the Lord has blessed me, and He's using my television ministry to reach you and to tell you what He told me. He wouldn't tell her. He told me to run for president. He told me to tell you. 
And it always comes back to control. It always comes back to how to keep people in line. And they'll always throw in the sexual sins, and they'll always throw in it was homosexual sins. Oh, it was those. If you believe that the Bible is the Word of God, and you you believe in that homosexuality is a sin, and homosexuality is listed amongst 136 other things you shouldn't do, yet you just pick out homosexuality, then you're cherry-picking. I'm sitting here with tattoos. According to the Bible, you're not supposed to. According to the book of Leviticus, you're not supposed to have them. Um, there's things that I like to do with a woman behind closed doors that I won't repeat here, but that could be considered very kinky and very explicit. So why does my sexual ticks get a pass because I'm a straight heterosexual dude, but yet the gay guy gets gets eternal damnation for his kinks? Why why would why would I get a pass? Okay, I, I'm 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 married, but yet I want us to do all these things behind closed doors in the privacy of our home, and I'm married, but I go to church every Sunday, and so I'm I'm forgiven for it. There is, there is so much frustration, sexual frustrations within the church and within, I believe that's what leads to so much of the problems that they have is because they, they bottle all that, those feelings up. And I feel, I feel extremely bad and sorry for all the, the people who have, who have been abused and been sexually abused all in the name of Christianity, all because some book somewhere they can always go back to these books and they can say, see, there, there's where God did that. That, that, that. This is why this has happened to you. Do you not think that people like Jim Jones didn't pull from this stuff and read it to his congregation? Read up about that guy. Study about Jim Jones if you want to know who a maniac was. That guy raped members of his congregation, male, female, boy, child, it didn't matter. Told, and, and, and used stories to back it up. Used cases in the Bible to back it up. And most people would call him a sick sadistic fuck but they give abraham a pass abraham will get a pass because he's in the book he's a character within the book and all the other people of sodom and gomorrah well they should have just known better but there was no point that it said go down there and tell them not to do that no more <laughs> it was just no we're going to destroy this evil place more than likely what happened if i was guessing and that's all i'm doing i would guess that you know, a meteor shower happened. And, you know, meteors and fire came down from the heavens. And some uneducated guy who was trying to control his family, control the masses, control everybody around, made up this story to say, see there, that because he couldn't explain what he seen. Just like he couldn't explain the creation, so he just threw in the line. They made the stars also. Again, it was it was it's it's all designed for control. It's all designed to keep a certain group of people in line and to keep you superior and to give you a pass for all your things. See, it didn't matter that what Lot did. Nobody ever calls Lot into question. I've never heard a preacher call Lot into question over that. It's accepted because it was women. It was it was it was girls. It was it was innocent women who had no say in the matter. And they're going to continue to teach the women to keep their mouths shut and not say nothing. So they're not going to point out that, hey, that was wrong. Lot shouldn't have did that. No, no pastor is going to point that out because he's trying to control his congregation. He's trying to keep the women in line. He's trying to keep their mouths shut. He can't, he can't tell them that Lot was the bad guy in that story. But they went looking for one good man, and they found a man that was willing to just, here, take my daughters. <laughs> that was the good guy. <laughs> That's the guy that God let live. And then we see these stories of pastors today, and we go, man, you know, that, that, that guy's arrogant. That guy's... I can't believe that guy actually thinks that shit. That's pretty crazy. But yet we believe in characters in a book and we give them a pass. The question I have for you is, was Abraham, was God really talking to Abraham? Or was Abraham just the Jerry Falwell of his time? That's something to ponder. Was it just a meteor shower that took place and in an attempt to explain it, they made up the story? Well, it must have been your sexual sins. It must have been the sins you were committing. It must have been the things you were doing that I do behind closed doors, but I don't tell nobody. So again, um, the, these stories to me, I would I would grow up in church, 
listen to him be taught. And my grandpa taught me a long time ago. I don't know what my grandpa would think if he was here today hearing me talk the way I have and hearing, me, hearing my interpretations. I don't know what he would say to me. But I know that he did say to me, son, sit there with your Bible in your hand, your finger on the words, and follow it. And follow what that guy's saying because they're not always telling you the truth. He was always warning me. They're not always telling you the truth. And they're going to cherry pick things. And sometimes they're going to stop on a certain verse and they're going to pick it out and they're going to tell you that this is the way it is. But, but son, just remember that you need to read the whole chapter. You need to get the whole thing in there because there's certain things they'll tell you. They won't keep reading. They won't read the next part. They'll just tell you what they want to hear. They'll, they'll create the narrative they want to create. That's what my grandpa, an old World War II veteran, born in 1913, that's stuff he was telling me to watch out for and be mindful of. So I don't know what he would think of my interpretation of the of the gospel or, or the book of Genesis and the, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't know if he would approve of some of the language I've used and the way I've went about describing it. But they're questions that are, that are fair. And, they're, and, and, some, and people will follow along after a preacher with a really cool speaking pattern. And, and it's like they'll follow that just because they're taught to, to have reverence for that. Well, I'm here to tell you that if you're, I've, I've sat under all sorts of different preachers. And around here where I'm from, there's, there's certain styles of preachers. No different than there's certain styles of singers. How many times have you heard a girl get up at karaoke and guess who she's imitating? She's imitating Patsy Cline. And how many times have you heard a guy get up and, and sing and he's imitating Waylon Jennings or he's imitating Hank Williams or he's imitating Buck Owens? I've heard preachers get up and, and, and I, I've seen, I've watched it happen. I've watched preachers preach a certain style and I've watched young men in the crowd watching him. And then those young men in the crowd got up and they went out down that same style of, of, the, of, the, of the Southern you know, Baptist or Pentecostal way of preaching. And you would you would hear them, and it would be a, it would be a carbon copy of the guy that came before them, their their hero that inspired them. You know, I've got people that inspired me to sing, and I and I try to emulate when I started singing. I, I, that's who, you know, Ronnie Van Zant and Greg Allman were the two biggest for me. That they were my blueprint as to you know, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn how to sing by learning how to sing their songs. And there's people out there that learns how to preach a style of preaching. You know, it's funny to me how that this if, if God is speaking to them, why are, out, why are they all saying the same thing? And if God's speaking to them, why are they all doing it in the same style? It's like my thoughts is, well, um, it's, you, if, if you're truly a believer in this, you, should, you shouldn't, it shouldn't be a click, should it? Shouldn't you be rocking the boat? Shouldn't you be asking the questions? Your soul, your, what you're saying is, is that your soul is on the line. Eternal damnation is, is what awaits you. Eternal, judgment. You're going to be judged. And the you have potentially could burn for all of eternity. But yet you're just going to be reverent to this guy. Well, he's a preacher now. You've got, you got to be respectful to preachers now. The Lord's called him to preach. The Lord has called everybody around me to preach that don't know their hind end from a hole in the damn ground, that don't, that don't know shit from apple butter. And and yet and, and but but the, but these and I've noticed it's always the one kid that couldn't stand to be told no, the one kid that couldn't stand to be wrong about something, the one kid that never wanted no accountability. Oh, you know, he's a preacher now. You can't say nothing to him. No, he's an idiot. You know, I've, I've I've I'm not trying to. If any of my family hears this, I'm really not trying to throw anyone particularly under the bus. I'm just saying I have cousins on both sides of my family and every side of my family. He's a preacher. This one's a preacher. You got to be you got to be reverent around him. You got to listen to him. Well, hey, he never he never did nothing. Like, why would I listen to him? Why? Okay, now now let's let's break this down for a minute. I'm supposed to listen to a guy younger than me that's never drank a beer, never smoked a cigarette, never never slept but with one woman in his entire life, never partied, never never been through any hardships, stayed real close to home, never left, lived a meek, simple kind of lifestyle. He's never dealt with nothing. Never dealt with anything. And again, I'm not throwing any one particular person under the bus. It just, it, it, it could apply to any of them. They've never really lived through any, none of the shit that I've lived through. Why would I, in turn, listen to them? Why would I take advice from somebody who's, you're going to give me advice on how to, how to beat drug addiction, and yet you've never been addicted to drugs? Well, how do you know what it's like? 
How could you possibly know? You never left mommy's porch. You never left where you were. You didn't live. There used to be a minister in Middlesbrough, Kentucky, and he preached several funerals for my family, and I liked him. And I, there's, there's a handful of ministers that I liked, but I really liked this guy. I won't say his name, but um, I really liked him. And he never was allowed to actually preach at a congregation in front of a real church. He never had a church with his name on it. You know, around here, you'll drive down the road, and it'll say the blah, blah, blah Baptist Church, you know, the White Trash Mountain Assembly, uh, Reverend, you know, Scooter Brown or whatever, you know. And he never had that. He, he, ne- he never had his own church because he had been married several times, and he had been a, a drug addict, and he had been an alcoholic, and then he got right with God. And then he decided he wanted to preach, and he didn't realize that there was rules in place that they're not allowed to preach if they've done those things. So people would say to me, now nah, you can't, oh, I wouldn't listen to him if I was you. That old guy used to, he used to be over at that old Mustang lounge burning it down, taking every woman there home. Oh, Lord, he used to be so bad on cocaine that it was awful, and he used to be so bad on alcohol, he wrecked his car and did this shit. And I'm like, you know what? I'd rather listen to that guy. I'd rather hear what that guy has to say as opposed to Junior over here that never never left mommy's breast, that's never took a drug, never done nothing, never never done all the things, just, just telling me, that's sinful. You don't need to be playing in them our bars, doing them our drugs, and drinking out there ackee hall. Oh, well, gee, thanks. What, what, what kind of advice could you give me? The minister they told me not to listen to, I listened to him. He had a radio show. That's all he could have. He, they, he would pay to have his own show on the radio. He'd go around make little speeches somewhere. they give him a love offering, give him some gas money to get him from place to place. And he would talk about how that he got so hooked on drugs he was about ready to sell his kids. <laughs> he would talk about how that he cheated on his wives. He would talk about how that a woman in a, in a short dress was like the downfall of him every time. He, every time he would start to get better and, and maybe try to straighten up, here would come another woman and he couldn't, he couldn't hold it back. He couldn't withstand himself. Well, okay, th- that's a guy being honest. I'm not saying he's right. But that's a guy being honest. You're, you're going to sit and you're going to tell a kid. You're going to tell a teenage kid. This kid's going to say, I've been called to preach. The Lord has spoke to me. That teenage kid's never left his driveway. He's never experienced nothing. He's never had no experiences. And now he's put this on his head. For the rest of his life, he's going to carry this around, and he's going to be expected to be perfect. He's going to be expected to marry a virgin woman and never divorce her, never sleep with another woman, never go through anything. He's supposed to stay perfect and walk righteous and holy in, in, this, in this bubble. And he's supposed to tell people how to deal with things that he's never dealt with. The pressures that these kids put on themselves just because they couldn't fucking stand to be told no is ridiculous. I had no problem with my grandpa telling me or my dad telling me, hey, buddy, you got that one wrong. That's not right. I didn't have to go out here, well, I'm a minister, Dad. They called, I got called to preach. You can't correct me no more. That's how it comes off to me. Because it's, it comes from, from ignorant people who just wants to control the situation. They want to have control over it, and they put themselves into this box. They back themselves into this corner. And what happens nine times out of ten? Eventually, their wife's going to leave them because their wife's going to get tired of being told what to do every day of her life. Her, their, their wife is going to one day be out somewhere, She's going to run into some dude on a motorcycle, and that dude's going to be drinking. That dude's going to do a little bit of drugs, and that dude is going to fuck her brains out. He's going to, he, she's going to let every aggression she's ever had go on this guy. And little old dude that never left the end of his driveway is going to be heartbroken. His family's destroyed. His ministry's crushed. He's never going to be allowed to be a preacher again, all because he backed himself into an impossible situation. He, he stripped himself of any, of, any, of, of any way of gaining knowledge. And they just sit and read this book. They go back to this. Let's read the book. Let's read the story about how the guy told them to cut the skin off their dicks. Let's read that and see if we can't find some deeper meaning to it. Meanwhile, you know, they're criticizing everybody for living however they live. You know, you shouldn't be out there at them bars picking your music. You should be singing for the Lord. Okay, well, while you're singing for the Lord, I'm out here living life and I'm experiencing things and I think I've got a pretty good handle on things and I think I could tell my sons, hey, you might want to wear that condom. Because, buddy, when hot lava pours out of you, it fucking sucks. 
you know, I, I and, I, and I've actually said that to my, to, to my sons that are teenagers that are up, uh, up the age to where, you know, 21 year old son, I've said those exact words to him. Hey buddy, just be very careful out there. It's really fun when it swells up, but it sucks when you can't pee. Not, well, just don't do it. Now, the Bible says here not to, and I've been sitting here at the house for for years and ain't never left left into my driveway, but don't do it. I ain't going to listen to him. I ain't going to take advice from him. I'm going to listen to that old preacher. Maybe I should have listened to the old guy harder. Maybe I wouldn't have had a lot of the, the struggles and, the, and the, uh, the things I faced if I listened to the. I did like him. I listened to him a lot. But I'm saying maybe if I would really took his words to heart, I might have I saved myself a whole lot of pain and a whole lot of stress in this world. You know, when someone, and, and then you got the ones that are born into it, and it just gets handed down to them, like, oh, you're next. It's a family tradition. And I'm supposed to believe that God called you. That's funny. God called you and your daddy and your grandpa and your nephew and your cousin. He called your family to do that. That's interesting. Not one of, and then they always, they always get the one outlaw brother in the clan, the, the one that, that don't believe it, and he's the center. Oh, yeah. Well, don't hang around no, uh, what's his name? He Don't hang around D-Wayne. D-Wayne's the bad one in the family. No, D-Wayne saw through your bullshit. D-Wayne wanted to get out and live a little bit. He wanted to see what was out there in the world. And he went out there and he lived and he lived hard. And he, and he went through a lot of shit. And then when he come back home and tried to say he was sorry or tried to get right with God, well, you know, D-Wayne used to be pretty rough around the edges. Well, what'd you do? You know? What kind of life did you live? And why would I listen to you? Well, I mean, if, 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 I, was, if I was going to learn how to box, uh, you know, um, uh, if Muhammad Ali was still alive, that's who I would ask. I would ask, well, okay, I'll, I'd, I'd ask Mike Tyson or Evander Holofield. I'd say, man, you know, Tyson, show me how to throw that uppercut. I wouldn't ask somebody that had never been in a fist fight. I wouldn't say, hey, show me that uppercut there, buddy. To somebody that had never threw one in their life, <clears throat> it's the same thing. Why would I listen to a minister that's never lived, that's never experienced things, that's never been through heartaches or hardships, that's just stayed right there in his little bubble and lived in his bubble and listened to what other people said and, 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 and just latched on to cliches and latched on to bullshit stories that he could figure out a way to manipulate and twist to control everybody. Now I'm with the old preacher and I'm with old D. Wayne and I'm with that crowd. You know, I've not lived, if, if, if the Bible is true and the commandments, I mean, I broke up damn near, I'm like the drive-by trucker zone. They say every sin is deadly. I believe they might be wrong because I'm guilty of all seven and I don't feel too bad at all. You know, that's me. I've, I've definitely lived the life. And if I wanted to become a preacher tomorrow, I couldn't. If I wanted to go fulfill my man's dream and really become a minister of God, I wouldn't be allowed. Why? Because you used to live in sin, Brandon. Because we wanted you to be perfect. We wanted you to, to, to latch on to these ideas at a young age when you couldn't even understand them. What is a 14-year-old boy from Bucks, North Tennessee going to tell me? Or you or anybody. Why, man, well, that's creepy, too, when you get it even younger. Hey, he's a kid preaching. He's seven-year-old, man. Go there and listen to him. I'm like, are you kidding me? I ain't listening to him. I ain't listening to nothing he's got to say. That's creepy. Shut him up. You know? No, I'm going to listen to the, to the older. I, I have listened the old drunks on bar stools, and I've listened to, to, well, I'll just say it. I've I've listened to whores, and I've learned I've learned a lot of things from them, and I've 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 learned a whole lot of, of things from from people who, in society's eyes, was the scum of the earth. You would be amazed at the conversations that I had with 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 strangers on bar stools and learned so much from it. You'd be amazed at conversations I had with women the next morning in a dirty motel somewhere, and I learned so much from them. And I always learned this one common thread when it, if we ever got on the topic of religion. When I'd ask them why they left, it, would always, it was never because, well, I just stopped believing, really. It always went back to somebody there hurt their feelings, somebody there done them wrong, and that caused them to question and to doubt the entire thing. I've heard that story said to me so many times. I've had women that I just literally met a few hours earlier, and now we're, we're sitting there the next day just having a conversation. Where'd you grow up? I grew up there in the holler, not far from you. Yeah, my dad used to beat me with a belt back when I was a little girl. 
you know, my dad was a deacon down there at the church and used to beat the shit out of me. And it made me question things. I've had I've had conversations with people like that and I and I've got a lot more out of it as opposed to some young little cocky punk walking up to me going, Hey, I was gonna tell you now, it says here in Gospel of John you ain't supposed to do this. Well, buddy, until you've lived it, don't don't come at me with your shit. You know. I mean, and they'll they'll they'll, they'll try to and again they'll go back to the world. Well, the you know, Jesus was preaching when he was twelve. You're not Jesus there, buddy. You know, sorry, you're not him. You're not Samuel. And I don't think those kids were anybody either. I don't I think Samuel was just a story somebody made up to let's let's control the situation. Eventually I'll get into my take on Jesus. I'll work my way up. I just wanted to start off there I have an interesting take on Jesus and I'll get to that in a later episode. Um I do believe Jesus was more than likely a real person. And uh, but I believe he's one of the most misunderstood characters in the history of the world. And I'll may, I don't know if I'll tackle it next week or when I'll tackle it, but I definitely want to get there because I said something on TikTok recently. And I won't, I, won't, I won't necessarily spoil it, but I said something on TikTok recently and someone said, man, I agree with everything you said. Do you said that? And now I just got to sit here and try to digest that one. I don't know if I believe that or not. That's, that's deep. That's hard. And I was like, no, nah, it really ain't if you look close enough. You know, and I'll give you, I'll give you a sneak peek into what I'm saying. I believe the reason that Jesus had profound things to say is because there's 16 years of his life or 18 years of his life missing from the Bible. From the time he's 12 to the time he's like 30, it's blank. What was he out there doing? Was he out there just reading a book, staying next to mommy's house and reading a book every day and criticizing everybody, or was he out there living a little bit? Is that what caused him to come back with such profound ideas and such knowledge of everything how do you get how do you obtain that really now you want to call him the son of god but how do you really obtain it probably did it because he got there and lived a little bit there's probably a reason why those years are missing i'll get into that at another date but i know that there are people out there that really enjoys it when i break these stories down and i'm sure there's people out there that will hear it and be offended to no end because i have took the bible in my dirty redneck bar playing hands <laughs> and I have read it and I've twisted it and I've had people say you're, you're, you're twisting that Brandon no I'm just trying to show you what it said and you was following after some dude with a cool speaking pattern and didn't notice it there's a, there's a, there's a rhythmic pattern to that for a reason it's there to entrance you if they can get you worked up and get you to go and, and get you to believe in everything they say and then they can sneak stuff in like this man offered up his women to his, but he said, Lord, take my daughters and it'll go right over top of your head because you're caught up in that moment and you're looking at your Bible and you're worried and you're sitting there trembling in fear and you're looking up at the sky and you're going, Lord, have favor on me and they sneak all this shit in there around you. Suddenly you're hating everybody. You're hating everything out there. Because that pattern got you so worked up you didn't realize they were taking you to the cleaners. You emptied out your wallet. You poured money in the plate. You're hating people for no reason. All because you got caught up in that. And somebody somewhere is going, oh my God, he's mocking a preacher. No, I'm mocking a con artist. I'll close with this. The great Lenny Bruce, the comedian one time said, any minister who has more than one suit is a hustler. Think about that and join me next week for another edition of If These Hills Could Talk.